Just on the other side of 5.30, welcome back. Bob Black back with the Sports Huddle continues on a Tuesday afternoon, 106.1 ESPN. Let's talk some college football here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And for that, we bring on Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, richmond.com. Looks like Mike has just wrapped up the session of Media Day in Blacksburg with the Virginia Tech Hokies, so our timing is really good. Is that accurate, Mike, and how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. That's correct. I'm, I'm on the drive home. All right, two hands on the wheel, and pay attention to the road as you chat with us. I know you can you can multitask, and, and you'll be safe doing it. So um, I see one quote on your Twitter feed that immediately struck me, and I wonder if you can kind of you know wrap your head around this a little for us. Brent Pry says, it was too acceptable to lose when we got here. That's a culture that we're changing. Are you seeing that culture change in the early going of Brent Pry's second year? I think you're seeing, Bob, the, the effort to change it, right? I, I think until, until you get out there and you win games uh, or you lose games and then show the way you come back from that, uh, it's hard to evaluate success or failure. But I think you're seeing a, a very conscious effort um, to create competition in drills, in practices, uh, in every situation, and to make it so that losing in those competitions – uh, is unacceptable, and, and that the goal is victory. And, and, you know, it's interesting to hear a coach really kind of bash the previous regime and, and culture. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes guys try to take the high road, uh, but certainly the proof was in the pudding uh, with the previous regime as well. That quote certainly struck me, and what Brent Price said is it's about creating competition and creating that mentality in practice, in drills, and in everything they're doing as they get ready for the season. So when the the competition isn't inter-squad and when there's a competitor on the other sideline, what has to happen with this Virginia Tech team to be successful in those competitions? Where does that have to start on game day? Yeah, there's a number of spots. And I I think number one, uh, for me, it's going to start offensively. And and it's not about putting up a ton of points, although I do think they've improved their roster. I think they've got a lot more skill uh, at the skill positions uh, to compete this year. But to me, it's about possessing the football. It's about cutting down on turnovers. It's about being able to run the football. It's about being able to give your defense a break. Bob, I thought their defense was pretty darn good last year, and I thought it wore down a lot in fourth quarters of games because the offense, not only was it not scoring, but it wasn't holding on to the football, and it wasn't giving the defense, which wasn't very deep, a chance to rest. So to me, it starts with the offense. You don't have to be world beaters. You don't have to score 35 points a game. But can you hold on to the ball and give your defense a fighting chance? And I guess we've asked this question over and over again, and we'll continue to ask it until we see it on the field. Who is the quarterback going to be, and is that a plural? Are there going to be quarterbacks? <laughs> well, I think the, the more I listen to Tyler Bowen and Brent Price speak, I think there's going to be a package uh, for Kieran Drones, the, the transfer from Baylor. Um, certainly it's still a competition. They need both of those guys ready. I think Grant Wells is going to get a second year in the offense. Uh, he should be more comfortable, um, better understanding. Tyler Bowen moving over to coach the quarterbacks uh, in addition to being the, the play caller. They feel like there's a better chemistry and communication there. Um, so I think Grant Wells is going to be your what everybody calls QB1 but I think drones, the transfer from Baylor, there's going to be a package, and, and I don't think it's going to be 
Wells isn't looking good, I think it's going to be, hey, you know, once a, once a quarter maybe, they're going to go and give him a drive just to give defenses a different look. Mm-hmm. Maybe predetermined when he's going to come in the game, as you said. No matter what had happened in the previous in the previous drives, that that'll be interesting to watch. How how important is the start of this schedule for Virginia Tech? And by that, I pretty much mean the first game, Mike. Look, we went through the Brent Pry comment from Media Day that you know we know who the flagship program is in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We went through all of the bulletin board material there, but here comes another state team that beat them last year in Norfolk. Um, Got to be a little edginess, won't there be at? Stadium in Blacksburg on that night on September 2nd? I mean, I would think so. I would think that uh, before Brent Pry's comments, um, that edginess was mostly in the Hokies locker room, right? Old mm-hmm. Dominion beat them. Um, you know, Ricky Ronnie is, is close friends with Brent Pry, and here's Brent Pry's first game as Tech's coach, uh, and Old Dominion beats them. So there you've got Virginia Tech with this edge, with this chip on their shoulder. Um, and then Brent Pry makes those comments, which he has every right to make it. I think Virginia Tech is the premier football program in the Commonwealth, depending on how you parse things. But um, you say that, and now it's bulletin board material, and now maybe Old Dominion's got a little of that edge back. And um, you know, people acting like last year was some kind of a fluke. And, um, but I think you're absolutely right to say that if you're Virginia Tech and you're going to get to six wins this year and make a bowl game and show real forward progress, it's got to start with a victory at home against ODU. Followed by Purdue at home and then at Rutgers and at Marshall. You would think they'd have to do some damage at the start before they really get into the meat of ACC play with uh, with Pitt and Florida State and beyond that. So let me let me transition a little bit um, here, Mike. And again, talking with Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Richmond.com. And as I do, you can follow him on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. And I pull this quote as well as I transition into the topic of conference realignment. And Brent Pry says today, I'm a big believer, a big fan of the ACC and what we offer. I believe in Virginia Tech, how we're represented, how we're seen. Uh, from the recent news of conference realignment, where does the ACC fit into this, and, and why do you think at this point in time they're even talking about schools like Cal and Stanford to join the ACC? It's such an interesting debate when you think about the West Coast. And, you know, Brent Pry's comments were basically a precursor to saying, hey, don't ask me about this. I'm, I'm not going to go into a, a debate about what we should do that that's above my pay grade. Um, because I, I think there's a lot of coaches that I'm curious and. Most of them haven't been willing to share. I talked to Tony Elliott at UVA uh, yesterday, and he also wouldn't answer the question of just what do you think about going across the country for a conference game? But the reason that that those schools are appealing to athletic directors has to do with the TV contract, right? You're going to get more inventory. You're going to get a West Coast TV market, and you're going to get inventory that you can put on the air in the evening slots, right? I always laugh when they talk about East Coast bias for sports writers. If anything, I've got a West Coast bias because I work all day and I come home and, and what do I watch? I watch, you know, Peck or now after dark or whatever they have left. Um, mm-hmm. So I think part of it from the AD standpoint is, hey, you can get these games, additional games for football and basketball that will play in the night slots for the ACC network, for your ESPN partner. Uh, there's a value there. If you're trying to sell it to the presidents, you're saying, hey, Cal and Stanford, those are pretty good schools. I mean, you know, I went to Rutgers, and then I remember thinking, like, wow, those are like two of the elite schools on, on the West Coast. I remember going out and playing a game there and telling them at Cal Berkeley, you know, what, what an amazing school we all thought it was. And, of course, all the students there are like, ah, whatever. But 
um, you know, if you're the president, that's the pitch. You've got these academically prestigious schools that you could potentially uh, add to the conference. Now, there's a million drawbacks. Travel, the amount of time, the wear and tear on student-athletes, uh, the fact that there's no geographical rivalries, the fact that recruiting is totally different. And there's so many things that doesn't make sense. Um, the way I'll characterize it, I'd say the ACC is in an exploratory phase. The problem, Bob, is these things happen in hours instead of months or, ye- or years. So you go into the exploratory phase, you may have to make a decision here in the next 24 to 48 hours. That's just the reality of, of conference realignment. So that said, Mike, and I do want to ask you a little bit about UVA having been there yesterday, but to, to wrap up a little bit for now, and this is going to be ongoing on conference realignment, are you of the belief that, that while this is seismic change, the sky is not falling on college football? Well, I, I, I do think the sky is falling in some hmm. regards. Okay. I, I just, to me, Bob, I, the answer is to pull football out of this deal and to let the football uh, teams and schools pair up as they see fit, negotiate the biggest contracts, bring back as much money to the institution as they can. And then from there, get back into conferences that make regional sense for all your other sports so that your field hockey team isn't flying across the country uh, to play games against athletes they don't know and, and there's no rivalry and nobody in the stands, right? I mean, how many Virginia fans are going to go out to Cal Berkeley uh, for a field hockey game? Other than family, probably no one. Um, football and money, it's too far gone to bring it back. I don't think it's going to kill the sport, uh, but the model may need a, a pretty violent shake. Not that it hasn't been shipped pretty violently here lately uh, as it is. It sure has. All right, more to come on that one for sure. Let's get back on the field to kind of finish up with you this afternoon. Mike, what did you see at UVA yesterday? You know, we talk about culture change. Tony Elliott certainly talked about that last year. They obviously have the tragedy and extenuating circumstances that they're dealing with. I mean, his comment just continues to ring into my, my ears that we're not moving on, we're moving forward. What did you see from UVA yesterday? Yeah, and, you know, a big part of what they were doing last year was laying the foundation, and it's where the criticism really falls on Tony Elliott, that he had a pretty decent team last year, but he chose to, you know, kind of strip things down to the to the bare bones and to start over. Um, and this still feels like year two of that rebuilding process. Now, what we hear from the coaches and, and what we've seen, I think, uh, out on the fields and in drills, there is a little more buy-in. There's a little sense of this is the way – UVA does things, whereas I think last year it was, this is the way UVA is going to start doing things. And, and you were in that starting process all year, and you're getting beat while you're doing it. I think now there's a better sense of this is Virginia's identity, uh, this pro-style timing-based offense, going to rely on the run game, they're going to play great defense, they're going to try to possess the ball. Now, I think they have a massive talent gap still. Uh, I think they're going to finish last in the conference. I think it's going to be a struggle to win three or four games. Um, but I think they are going to look and play and feel more like the vision. And then the question is, year three, year four, does that vision equal wins? And if it does, then all of the, the growing pains here will be worth it. And if it doesn't, and we know the drill, right? Tony Elliott's going to be on one of the hottest hot seats, despite everything he's had to deal with off the field and the way he's really, by all accounts, uh, handled that pretty masterfully. 
Mm-hmm. Fascinating times, really, for both schools, and they kind of parallel each other with the coaching staffs and where they are in their tenures, and it'll be really intriguing to watch moving forward. It'll be more fun to watch on the field than all the conference realignment stuff, I think. Mike, thank you so much for this afternoon. Uh, glad you got a chance to see both the Cavaliers and the Hokies in the last 24 hours or so, and we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks for having me. Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, always a good read, uh, really blanketing uh, the two ACC schools, right, Virginia and Virginia Tech and Brent Pry and Tony Elliott. Everything's going on with both of them. Again, Richmond.com online, Richmond Times-Dispatch, and Mike's on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. One more segment to go. We'll have it for you next on the Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN.